0: As so many couples know, a due date is not always exactly on the money. Sometimes the baby has other ideas, and sometimes the parents and babies have the need for special services. So when the need arises for maternal and neonatal transport, it's good to know you're covered right here, close to home. Today, we'll talk with two experts about the maternal and neonatal transport services at Deaconess, the Women's Hospital. I'm Deborah Howell, and our guests are Dr. Ron Pyle, a neonatologist physician and director of neonatal transport and medical director of neonatology at the Women's Hospital, and Dr. Brennan Fitzpatrick, board-certified maternal fetal medicine physician at Tri-State Perinatology and medical director of maternal transport at the Women's Hospital. Welcome, Dr. Pyle and Dr. Fitzpatrick.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us, Deborah.
0: Dr. Fitzpatrick, let's start with you. How would you define maternal transport and what are the pieces that make up a transport team?
1: So maternal transport is based on the concept that not every hospital has all of the resources available to them to take care of high-risk moms and high-risk babies. So we have 82 birthing hospitals in the state of Indiana. There are 10 perinatal centers, which by definition have access to more resources to care for some of the sickest mothers and babies. And so the notion of transport is built around getting moms and babies access to those higher level centers and so as you were saying in your introduction obstetrics is sort of predictably unpredictable and so a lot of times we don't know when mom is going to go into labor and baby's going to arrive and sometimes the most important thing is to have them seek medical care at the closest facility to them but even still that facility may not have the resources to fully care for both mom and baby. And so what our job is from a transport perspective is to mobilize those resources and provide them for those patients at those outside hospitals. So we actually have an ambulance that is equipped with the necessary equipment to sort of help care for those patients out in the field. It also has the expertise of a maternal nurse, a neonatal nurse, therapist. So there's a whole team that gets on that ambulance and goes out to the outlying hospital, will assess the situation when they arrive at that hospital, and then work with one of our maternal fetal medicine specialists on how best to proceed, whether it be delivering care in the field or bringing that patient back to the women's hospital. But I think ultimately the whole key to that is having access to all of those resources and having those resources be able to be mobilized to send out in the field and ensure that patients are being appropriately taken care of.
0: Sure. And what types of patients does the maternal transport serve?
1: Generally speaking, we deal with a lot of patients that have obstetrical complications, things like preterm labor, preeclampsia, which is a high blood pressure disease that we see just during pregnancy. Those types of issues occasionally will have patients that have significant critical care issues. In fact, we just took a patient recently who has a bad heart history and was having symptoms consistent with a heart attack and was pregnant. And so, we went and used our team to pick up that patient and bring her back to our heart Hospital on the Gateway campus here in Evansville.
0: Wow. I mean, really incredible. How would you define neonatal transport and what are the pieces that make up a neonatal transport team? And this question's for Dr. Pyle.
2: Well, I think the best description or definition for me is that it's taking our NICU or an extension of our NICU and putting it in your nursery in your hospital to help care for that infant. And Dr. Fitzpatrick alluded to with delivery hospitals around here and with 10 perinatal levels centers of care, that really the idea is to provide a resource for these hospitals that they can reach out to. And the idea for me, Anita, transport is not, hey, I'm going to come take your baby. is to provide information, provide recommendations to try to stabilize that kid as best as we can before transport and then make a decision together with the referring doctor about, okay, we're going to send our team... And And help transport that baby back to us so that we can continue care. So the makeup of that team is interesting. It's actually, we do a nurse-led team. And it's a NICU nurse and a NICU respiratory therapist. And the goal is that we train extensively, just as Dr. Fitzpatrick's maternal team does. And so these are kind of special individuals. And so these members make up the team. I guess that it's nurse-led. And they are trained to handle pretty much everything they walk into they might see.
0: Okay, and what types of patients does neonatal transport serve?
2: The majority of cases are based on prematurity, and so the underlying source of that is immature lung disease. We call it surfactant deficiency or respiratory distress syndrome. And so majority of kids, we deal with are respiratory driven, but we also deal with seizures. We deal with stabilization of potential cardiac kids, as well as we have such great support from our administration that we have a new device. I love it. Therapeutic hypothermia. It's one of the only modalities ever proven to help kids who may be hypoxic at birth or lack of oxygen at birth, and it's actually called the techotherm, and it's a cooling device we can use on transport that will cool these babies down to protect their brains, and it's really neat. Wow, that's
0: incredible. Dr. Fitzpatrick, back to you. Why did the Women's Hospital start maternal and neonatal transport programs? I mean, how did you know there was a need for these programs?
1: I think I arrived in 2008 And we had the ability to take transports into the hospital. But I think the concern was that you would tell the patient a lot of times to go to the closest hospital, and that may be in an area where they don't have a ton of resources. And then ultimately, that hospital would transport the patient. To us, And so you went from this higher level of care, and then none of the specific services related to obstetrics and maternal transport were offered on the rig. So then you would drop down to this lower level of care. And then the patient would arrive, hopefully safely at the women's hospital, where they would receive the higher level of care again and it didn't make a ton of sense to me to have that period of time where the resources weren't available to take care of the patient if there was an emergency on the ambulance and that was a real worry so you'd be biting your nails sometimes patients would be on that ambulance for an hour or an hour and a half as they're coming to your hospital and you're just hoping everything goes okay And so we didn't feel like that was the safest way to do things. So we, in 2014, put together our our formal transport team And basically worked with these individuals who were all really high performing nurses and respiratory therapists, sort of an elite group and put them together and trained them to be able to not only assess in the field, but also to deliver care in the field to safely bring those patients back to our hospital. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, it really was about ensuring that these patients were getting from one hospital to another hospital in the safest possible manner.
2: I think the underlying thing that Dr. Fitzpatrick and kind of extrapolated into myself was that the transport program, everything we do here is evidence-based medicine, and we always try to be on the cutting edge of treatment and care. And so I go from my perspective, Dr. Fitzpatrick, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Fitzpatrick, but what came out of this was also education and teaching. And so the goal is, is that the transport program actually became a teaching vehicle as well. And so we try to extend those resources of education, policies, procedures, so that in reality, these referring hospitals, these patients will be better treated, better stabilized, and so forth. But it kind of an extension, and it extended into education and, and teaching as well.
0: Sure. Very necessary component. For both of you, what are some of the challenges you've experienced in creating the women's hospital's transport programs? And we'll start with you, Dr. Pyle.
2: I think in starting any program, it's about understanding what your resources are at your facility. And once you have those, you know you can ask individuals to join the team, you can train them, but it's also about developing policies following the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the state's IPCWIC guidelines, making sure you're aligned with all those programs. But I think making sure you have policies to cover, make sure that you have prepared your team And in doing that, in developing that program, as again, Dr. Fitzpatrick said, is that these are unique individuals. They're highly driven. They are top performers that you get in the NICU or the maternal side. And then taking them and saying, I'm going to put you in situations that may make you uncomfortable. And that's a term that Dr. Fitzpatrick can explain about uncomfortable. I think he does it very well. But the idea is that we're going to walk into situations, but I'm going to take these individuals and train them to think in the mindset of transport. Because in the field, you have resources, but it's really about critical thinking.
0: Okay. And Dr. Fitzpatrick?
1: I think that we have empowered our team to make decisions. And in some cases, when they arrive on site, culturally, there can be differences in how physicians interact with their team. And I think sometimes that can be challenging, making sure that the members of our team are taking on a, I mean, it's a big deal. And to Dr. Pyle's point they are gonna be in positions at times where it's not easy or it's uncomfortable. And I think the one thing that we talk about with them is I do high-risk obstetrics, so I'm chronically uncomfortable. But the question that you have to ask is, do we have the resources to care for this specific patient? And I think doing the calculus to assess the resources that an outside hospital would have, the resources that we have, I think that that's a key component we do. And I think that helps them to understand that even though situations may be challenging and they may be dealing with patients who could be very sick, that they have the support and the resources necessary to effectively take care of those patients. So that piece of it it can be daunting. And I think, you know, as we're kind of moving forward with the program, we're recruiting people to come and join that program. And when the first thing you say in your recruitment pitch is, it's challenging and it's hard. I think that's always a struggle. So I think from our perspective, embracing that and having them embrace that and having them understand the immense amount of reward that comes along with that is super important. And I think that that's sort of how we address that challenge.
0: Got it. I imagine it weeds out the candidates very quickly. And Dr. Pyle, how do you feel that the Women's Hospital Transport Services have positively impacted our community and our region?
2: Well, I think the key word here, Deborah, is community. And it's about keeping babies home. And the resources we have, we are capable of doing that. It's easy. Say we get a transfer from Jasper or even from Vincennes, they're still close to home. That impact is huge. Otherwise it's travel. If they have other kids, it makes it very difficult. And in reality, the other thing too, is that along with the education is that one of the things I think there's always been a false description or maybe true in some aspects of transport is that you call us and our first response is we're coming and we're taking the baby. And in reality, the goal is, is that let's stabilize the kids, see what happens and try to team play this. And again, if you can make decisions that can keep the baby in their community, that's great because transport services extends far beyond just an ambulance and a team. It's about med control and that education. But in general, I think the key word you said was community, and it's about building that trust and knowing that their babies will stay home. Sure.
0: This is for both of you. Our final question, where do you see maternal and neonatal transport services heading in the future? And we'll start with you, Dr. Fitzpatrick.
1: I think ultimately, we want to continue to do what we're doing now, which is providing a high-level, high-quality service that improves overall care for our mothers and babies in the region. And so as far as what we do with respect to these outside hospitals, and Dr. Pyle mentioned it earlier, the education piece, continuing to do simulation work with our outside hospitals to get them comfortable dealing with these moms who may have specific medical issues that make their pregnancy more difficult. And those numbers are increasing. People are delaying childbearing people that have underlying medical issues like diabetes and high blood pressure are getting pregnant at a greater clip than maybe they were 10 or 15 years ago. So the acuity of the patients that we see is increasing. And the real challenge moving forward is not only to be able to have the team in our hospital be comfortable with taking care of those patients, but doing the work that patients are safe when they present to an outside hospital with a specific issue. So I think that's what we need to be looking at moving forward, continuing to integrate with our affiliate hospitals and work to make sure that every patient in our region gets top-notch care no matter where they initially present.
0: Okay. And I'd just like to give both of you the opportunity to add anything to our conversation. We'll start with you, Dr. Pyle.
2: The teams here provide a wonderful service for our community. I think that they are great educators. They're great teachers. I'm surrounded by phenomenal team members, phenomenal administrations, phenomenal support. And with that being said, it allows us to continually to improve, continually to look upon ourselves to say, how can we get better? And I hope that we continually to make an impact on our community. Doctor Fitzpatrick.
1: I think that we have been very fortunate to have an administration that has supported this endeavor from the get-go, pouring resources and effort and time into developing something that I think is on par with anything else that's offered in the state. I think that we have taken a leadership role on the transport front and will continue to do that. And like I said, it's been a labor of love. I know for myself, and I feel Dr. Pyle would say the same, and we've been very, very fortunate to develop something that our community can be really proud of.
0: And perhaps a model for other hospitals along the way, maybe. Certainly. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pyle and Dr. Fitzpatrick, for your time and your expertise today. We really, really enjoyed having you on the show.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Deborah.
0: And to learn more about the Women's Hospital, please visit www.deaconess.com/slash the Women's Hospital. That's all for this time. I'm Deborah Howell. Have yourself a terrific day.